Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. We have to develop consistency. So we have to have systems in place. We have to build a consistent team. We have to deliver a consistent product. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. As you can tell, I am not Joe Fairless. This is Theo Hicks, the co-author of the Best Ever Real Estate Investing Advice, Volume 1, and soon to be Volume 2. We're going to try a special segment today, and I'm going to stand in for Joe. Today, we have a, another Best Ever guest. His name is Gary Davison. Gary, how's it going? Hey, thanks for having me. Yep, no problem. Thanks for coming on. So before we get started, a little bit more about Gary. Gary is the owner at Castle Law. He represents hundreds of property investors and a variety of businesses and contractors on corporate affairs. He has unparalleled experience working on land use, zoning, and development issues. He is also a frequent lecturer at numerous real estate investor seminars. And for Castle Law, they have numerous offices located in the Chicagoland area. You can say hi to him at his website, which is www.castlelaw.com. So, Gary, before we get started, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? With that kind of an introduction, I hope people haven't turned out because it makes me sound like a highly boring individual, but <laughs> I tend to consider myself to be a little bit creative and compelling and funny yet interesting. 
My background is really in land use zoning and development issues, and I represented a very large portion of the municipalities in the Chicagoland area before the market collapse. And when the market collapsed, I was left with not knowing what I was doing. So I decided that what I would do is I would swim upstream, and I first started getting involved in high-volume residential real estate transactions representing investors. Because if you look historically at what's happened in our country, when wealth is created in real estate is when the market was down. So at the time when everyone was getting out of real estate, I found it to be an opportunity to get into real estate and start helping investors minimize the risk and maximize their return by developing creative strategies to acquire real estate and creating wealth for themselves. So that's really how I first started getting involved. And today that practice has grown into representing a very large portion of the investors in the Chicagoland area, hedge funds, both nationally, as well as a lot of global clients who are currently investing in the Chicagoland market because Chicago is such a hot market right now. Awesome. So when you were first getting started and you're kind of transitioning over into representing real estate investors, where were you going to, I guess, essentially gain the information that you were able to provide to these investors? Was it something that you had learned from your previous experiences or you had to kind of educate yourself in a different way? Well, I think that if we all start with the premise that the basic concept in real estate is if you buy low and you sell high, when I looked around and saw the market collapse, if you read about what's happened historically in the U.S. economy and even thinking about the Great Depression, the greatest amount of opportunity and wealth was built during the Great Depression when people who had assets were able to help the economy come back by purchasing real estate because it's the cornerstone of our economy. So just because I'm a history buff and I like that stuff, I knew that real estate being an asset that's never going to depreciate down to zero, unless, of course, we find out that it's got underground storage tanks or something, that that was a real opportunity for me to help people come back from a miserable economy and to use my skills that I have to help people who may have filed bankruptcy or trying to get back on their feet to start purchasing assets creatively and to help start building their wealth again. Do you want to uh, provide a couple examples of the creative investment strategies that you've used when working with some of your clients, specifically around the time when it was kind of the mayhem of the market crash and kind of everything was thrown up in the air? What are some examples of creative investment techniques that you've, you've used? One thing that I think is a little bit unique to what I've done is some of my investors have created effectively a holding company. The assets that are being sold by these banks and by HUD and by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they're moving so quickly. There's a tremendous amount of pressure to purchase. Purchasing real estate is not a novel concept. Anybody that has two dimes rubbed together have thought about purchasing real estate. So what we did was we created a holding company that could purchase or put a contract to purchase that asset. Now, once that contract was submitted and everyone determined that it was purchased at a number where there was what we'll, I guess we'll refer to as ham on the bone, mm-hmm. then that particular asset could be marketed to a group of investors, some one of which would purchase that property. And then what happens with that is we do the initial closing with the C buyers funds. 
The C buyer's funds are used by Party B to purchase from Party A, and then a deed flows through from Party B to Party C. And this is all done concurrently, simultaneously, and it helps investors. It creates an automatic inventory of properties that can be purchased by investors. Virtually, I don't know of any other attorney that has this system that can help create that inventory because there's so finite amount of inventory that you need to be ahead of all the other investors. Okay, so to kind of wrap my head around this, so is this in regards to you getting this inventory prepared for investors that you work with to purchase them in order to have a a pipeline of deals? Yeah, so let's give you a real-life example. Bank of America is selling 123 Skidoo Street. And we know 123 Skidoo Street, fixed up, cleaned up, is worth $100,000. We know we can purchase Skidoo Street for $30,000, and it'll take $20,000 to rehab that property. We already have that information, and so the holding company will put in a contract with Bank of America to purchase that asset, at which point in time the holding company can then turn around and deed the property to the actual end investor who's wanting to actually purchase the property. But by the time the end investor, if you were to market that property and send out that property to hundreds of investors, someone else will have already purchased it. So there is a company that's going to purchase these assets and then we'll have the time to sell that to the end investors. Okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So from your perspective, how do you benefit slash make money from this? Is it based off a percentage of the sale price? I'm just a regular old real estate attorney who is preparing these transactions on behalf of my clients and charging a flat fee to handle this. So we charge for these flip transactions, $950 flat fee, because we process so many of these widgets and because we have the ingenuity to tackle all of this, we want to pass that savings along to our clients and our investors because when they make money, they purchase more properties. So it's a very simple process. We do it for a flat fee and our clients are some of the most successful in the Chicagoland area, which is why I have so many. Awesome. In regards to your experience in land use, zoning, and development issues, what would be a common factor that not a lot of people would would really know or have the knowledge of in regards to those? With real estate investors, even for the person who's purchasing the small asset on the south side of Chicago, you have to consider land use, zoning, and building issues. And one of the things that real estate investors, a common mistake they make is that they run a million miles an hour in no particular direction. And it's very, very important that when we're doing real estate investing, we have two goals in mind. We want to minimize our risk and we want to maximize our return. By minimizing our risk, we're taking a look at zoning requirements for a municipality, making sure that the property is properly zoned, that perhaps we look at it and there's three families living in it, but there's only one family that can live there. Certain requirements of a village regarding development issues, can this lot be split? All of those things can determine whether or not an investor makes money or loses money by having some of that front-end due diligence. So. My background in commercial real estate, having dealt with very complex land use, zoning, environmental issues, 
interfaces extremely well with helping clients minimize that risk and maximize that return and getting our investors into what I refer to as the 1% mindset of being a highly successful real estate investor. On the top of your head, can you think of an experience where one of these factors came into play, land use, zoning, and, and building issues where someone either, it was an experience where profit was maximized to an extreme or, or risk was minimized to an extreme based off of something that you saw in regards to one of those three factors? Yeah, absolutely. We recently did a project on the north side of Chicago where what we saw was we had an extremely large lot. And this was a distressed building, and there were lots of tenants that were still in there. It was going to be on the obligation of the buyer to evict all these non-paying tenants. And what we discovered was, by looking at the Chicago zoning regulations, that this lot could actually be split and we could have another buildable lot. So we went from having a six-unit building that was non-performing to being able to have 12 doors and a return on our investment became, I think it was like a 25 cap rate on this property by just simply being able to do a lot split on this property and actually constructing another ground up building and putting in uh, paying tenants in that building. So that worked out extremely well. The client was able to get into that property at a low cost because it was highly distressed, do a value add on it, construct a new building once we split that lot. And again, it became a 25 cap rate for them. So they were intending on flipping the property and ended up holding it. Because obviously in real estate investing, we want to have two strategies in order to be successful. We want to have an income producing strategy. I kind of think of that as the keeping the spouse happy strategy. That's flipping. But we also want a rental strategy where we can build wealth. So holding on to properties, having residual income so that we're not having to conduct podcasts for the next 25 years of our life together. And we can sit back on a beach in Maui or, or uh, Bali, uh, Indonesia, or wherever we want to be and have income coming in. And that's our wealth building strategy. This is what we evolved this property into was a, a wealth building strategy for this client. It was only their second transaction. That's an awesome story. I'm totally on board all about traveling to Maui and all those other fun <laughs> fun places. Quickly, before we get into the best ever advice, you personally invest in real estate. Do you? What types of properties do you invest in? Again, diversity is extremely important. So I invest in commercial, industrial, residential properties. So no matter how the economy zigs, how the economy zags, I'm not over leveraged in one particular area. Whether you're investing in the stock market or you're investing in real estate or you're investing in human capital, we need to have diversity because as the saying goes, we don't want to put all our eggs in one basket. So that's the advice I give to people is don't own 50 properties in one town because you've put all your eggs in one basket. Keep things diverse so that when something bad does happen, you don't have everything stuck in one place. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? So the best real estate advice that I could provide to somebody is, this is going to be very, very generic, but it's extremely important. We have to develop consistency. McDonald's doesn't produce the best product, but it's consistent. So we have to have systems in place. We have to build a consistent team. 
We have to deliver a consistent product. If we are a flipper, we want to be able to drive our buyers to a specific lender. Perhaps we put on the contract that we will only provide a closing cost credit because most of these buyers are going to be FHA buyers. We only provide a closing cost credit if they use a specific lender. We need to control our variables. So the best real estate advice I can give anybody is you have to build a consistent team. You have to build a consistent product. You have to build a consistent schedule, build a referral network, and do what makes you money and outsource the rest. Most people start to get involved in the minutia of every detail. If you are an investor and you are on site managing your project and screwing the nails in, or well, you're not going to screw a nail in, you're going to pound it in, which goes to show you that I don't do this stuff. But putting in a faucet, these are the sorts of things that we need to outsource because you cannot scale if you don't have all of those consistencies in place. So by controlling your variables, you're going to be very, very successful. If you leave things to chance, if you get involved in the details, if you get involved in the minutia, if you use a lawyer on this transaction but another lawyer on that transaction, you're never going to have success. You have to develop consistency. That's what the top 1% of real estate investors do. It's about shifting your mindset to the 1% mindset. Gary, you ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. All right, first, a quick word from our sponsor. If you're interested in learning more about the Upper West Side of New York City and potentially buying real estate in this coveted Manhattan neighborhood, check out ilovetheupperwestside.com. This website was created and owned by Love Where You Live Realty, who specialize on the Upper West Side. Go to ilovetheupperwestside.com. Best ever book. Margaret Thatcher. And Why? Margaret Thatcher had an incredible leadership style, kind of going to what I was talking about, about building a consistent team and a consistent product. If you start reading about the greatest world leaders of all time, Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, again, they built teams around them. They were highly successful in developing teams to move their agenda forward. And they moved their country farther than any other world leaders in the history. So reading about historical figures and how they were successful and adopt their characteristics, that's how you achieve success. Best ever personal growth experience and what you've learned from it. I got cut from my baseball team when I thought that I was going to be a professional baseball player. And it, it made me realize that I probably had to rely on my brain rather than my muscles. I think that when you have bad experiences in life and when you have failures, which we have all had, the measure of a man is not, or a woman to be politically correct, the measure of a person is not in the successes they achieve, but how they've responded to failures. Best ever deal you've done? The best ever deal i done was actually getting married to my wife. I have a self-destructive personality, so having married my wife has kept me well-grounded. The best ever deal that I did was I was actually the attorney for the largest outdoor mall in the United States located in Bolingbrook. I represented one of the major developers and we struck a deal with the municipality for tax rebates that put millions in our developer's pocket. I'm sure your wife would agree with that being the best ever deal you've done. <laughs> yeah. Best ever way you like to give back. Giving back is going to be the success of every person. So one of the things that makes people a failure is 
when we engage in quid pro quo. You have to give unconditionally to people. And I think one of the successes that I have had is all of those people around me, I'm always looking for opportunities. I'm excited to meet Joe Fearless, and I'm excited to talk to Theo because I want to think of ways that I can give back to them unconditionally. So that unconditional giving back is, I think, the most important thing that makes people successful. For my clients, I'm always thinking of ways to give back to people. I completely agree with that 100%. That's one of the little note cards I have sitting on my laptop or posted notes on my laptop that says, like, give unconditionally because it's such a difficult thing to do things and not want something back in return. And so if you can actually give unconditionally, that's the best thing that you could possibly do. Our last question is, what's your best ever success habit? You know, I wrote a book a few years ago that there's 86,400 seconds in a day. And the top 1% of all people maximize their time and maximize their seconds. So the best success habit that I have is I've got a little sticky note on the top of my computer that says when the 99% are behind their TV watching, the top 1% are out there doing and selling. I may not be the smartest guy in the world. I may not be the greatest attorney in the world. But no one, no one will ever outwork me. So I have a schedule in the morning, and I stick to my schedule, and I think about what it's going to take to separate myself from mediocrity. And I think if you are always ready, you're never going to have to get ready. So my secret to my success is I'm always ready. So before we wrap up, is there anything else you would like to share in regards to your real estate experience? In real estate, we can't judge each day by the harvest we reap, but the seeds we plant. And today, I feel like I planted a seed with you, Theo, and with Joe Fearless. Planting the seed with the folks that introduced me to you, Fund That Flip out of New York, which is a crowdfunder that I recommend to my investors quite frequently. We planted a seed today, which is... I think, going to have us have an opportunity to work together in the future. So thanks so much for having me on. Finally, what's the best ever place to reach you? Best place to reach me would be at my law office. That number is 708-801-8000. Awesome, Gary. Well, great conversation. Learned a lot, not just in regards to real estate investing, when you talked about minimizing risks and maximizing profit. And you provided a really great example of a situation when that happened, when you were able to split that lot. Instead of getting the six units, you got the 12 units for your clients. And then also in regards to the importance of having the income producing properties, which is, you know, flipping, but also having that rental strategy in order to build your wealth and making sure you diversify. And then your best ever real estate investing advice, which was about consistency and in the process and the team and the product and just in general. And then you also sprinkled in there some inspirational and motivational things as well. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. And best of your listeners, thanks for listening. And we will talk to you soon. If you're interested in learning more about the Upper West Side of New York City and potentially buying real estate in this coveted Manhattan neighborhood, check out ilovetheupperwestside.com. This website was created and owned by Love Where You Live Realty, who specialize on the Upper West Side. Go to ilovetheupperwestside.com.